But honestly, the, the first time that I have preached this passage, uh, but studying it, it was really interesting studying it. You can study Scripture and uh, think one way about it, and before you're through studying it, before you're through seeing what God shares with you, you might have a different idea about it. But I titled this message, A Right Attitude for Service. I sent that out on an email yesterday morning, and you're probably saying, well, what in the world is he talking about? But certainly I want you to work with me this morning. Stay with me as we work through this passage of Scripture. We want to see what Jesus is going to share with us this morning through the Word and what God's got for us. So right attitude for service is the title of the message. So attitude is a characteristic that we often have a problem with. Amen? Man, it's often a trouble. Growing up as a young boy, my parents often checked my attitude. You ever have that done? They checked my attitude. Did your mom, I had a question, did your mom ever use the phrase, you need to change your attitude? Anybody besides me? That was almost a daily basis. You need to change your attitude. You need to have a different attitude. You need to have a good attitude. You didn't have that, did you, Daniel? No. Attitude. Many times, attitude reflects what's in the person's heart. Amen? Attitude reflects what's in the person's heart. Having the right attitude is significant for Christian service. For when we talk about Christian service, we have to have the right attitude. Our heart has to be right with what we're doing about it. And that's what I want to get into this morning. It's an awesome experience to be able to serve our Heavenly Father with people who simply want to serve. They simply want to be around. They do not care who gets the credit for what takes place. They only want to serve, and they only want to glorify God. That's the main thing, and that's what's happening here at this church. Everybody's serving, and nobody really cares who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. This morning, we're going to open up God's Word and look at a parable that Jesus shared with his disciples. A parable is a story, something that, that Jesus used often to equate to things that people understood. He put it into their perspective, into their timing, to things that they would understand because there was a specific reason that he wanted to tell that story. It had a specific meaning. This morning we're going to look at a parable that Jesus shared with his disciples to demonstrate what it meant to have the right attitude towards service. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. Jesus is speaking this morning, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into the vineyard for the day. When he went out at about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard and I will give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five. He went and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go into my vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told the foreman, Call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired, about five, came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more, but they also received a Daenerys each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burdens of the day's work and the burning heat. He replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a Daenerys? Take what's yours and go. 
I want to give the last man the same. I want to give the last man the same I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first shall be last. Pray with me. Father God, I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. I love the parables that Jesus tells. Man, many of them have importance, and they all have importance, but many of them kind of speak to you a little bit differently. But Jesus used parables because he wanted us to understand what he was talking about. This story that Jesus is sharing this morning has an underlying meaning. It does have a meaning, but it has multiple truths inside of these 16 verses, and we want to expand on each of those truths. We read in the previous chapter, if you go back to chapter 19 in Matthew, we read in the previous chapter where the rich ruler refused to give up his possessions and follow Christ. That is what leads into this parable. Jesus had talked to the rich ruler and he had asked him, he says, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And he basically told him to give away all your possessions to the poor and come and follow me. And the ruler could not do that. He had a different focus on outlook. He had a focus on himself and the material possessions that he had. Jesus was not denying the fact that he had those possessions, but they were his focal point. And so he moved into this passage of scripture today and Jesus is warning the disciples about the dangers of Jesus of, of riches. Jesus doesn't state that riches are bad. Nowhere in scripture does he say that they're bad because God provides for riches. God gives riches. I'm not a prosperity speaker, but anyhow God does give us those riches, but when the riches become our focal point, when the riches become our God, that is when it becomes bad. Amen. In Matthew 19, 27, Peter, if we go back, and I didn't read that to you, but I'm going to read it to you this morning. In Matthew 19, 27, Peter stated that he and his friends had given up everything to follow Jesus. That's what he was insinuating. And Peter basically asked Jesus a question. He says, teacher, what are we going to get out of it for our loyalty and our commitment that we have to you? This is Peter talking. You think about, you think about what's taking place with the disciples. Matthew 19, 27 says this. Then Peter responded to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? Can you just hear Peter's words? Can you just hear Peter, because, you know, Peter had been known to question Jesus before. But can you just hear Peter's words? We were semi-successful fishermen. Man, when you came along, we had our own boats. We were fishing on a fairly regular basis. We caught some fish. You know, we fished every night. We made a living for our families. We had our own businesses. You know, when you came along, we gave up everything to follow you. We believe you're the Messiah. We saw the miracles that you did about the fish in our boat. Man, we know that you're the one that we've been praying for. We know who you are. But what is in it for us? But there's got to be something in it for us beyond what the average person is going to get. When you think about it, we're the 12. Man, we're the ones that are staying close to you and taking care of you. You think about it. Disciples following Jesus, being taught by the master teacher, and yet they still had the human instinct to think about themselves. Man, you look in Scripture, it's like, Who's going to be first? Who's going to be first with you when you come into your kingdom? Who's going to sit on your right? Who's going to sit on your left? These are the disciples that are being taught by Jesus, but yet they're still wanting to know what they're going to get out of it. Amen? You following with me this morning? Who is going to sit on your right and who's going to sit on your left when you come into your kingdom? 
Peter's question revealed the wrong motive. I mean, he, he had a question, and there's nothing wrong with asking a question, but it had the wrong motive. His focus was on himself. It revealed what was in his heart. Now, let me tell you something. People ask some of these same questions today. Their actions might seem well on the, on the surface, but their motives seem to be somewhat skewed. And I'm not stepping on any toes, but let me tell you something. When you preach the Word of God, if you feel happy about it at the end, then maybe you're listening to the wrong speaker because a lot of times the Word of God speaks to you directly and it, it often steps on toes, but it's very prominent to what happens and what Jesus wants us to hear. What's in it for me? You think about it. What am I going to get out of this sacrifice? Man, I'm attending church on a regular basis I'm tithing the way I'm supposed to be tithing I'm serving as much as anybody else in the congregation I'm doing more than anybody else had I'm preaching I'm teaching I'm feeding those people that's hungry but what is in it for me what am I going to get out of it attitude is a reflection of the heart so how do we understand what Jesus is talking about when he said the first shall be last and the last shall be first are y'all following with me this morning Because this is some big stuff right here. And I want you to understand this. How do we understand it when Jesus says the first in the eyes of men will be last and those that are last will be first? The lesson that Jesus has given to the disciples. Man, it's obvious what he's talking about. We should not serve Jesus Christ. We should not serve God the Father because we are expecting to get something out of it. We we should not even be asking for what we're going to get out of it. You think about it. We don't serve God because of the rewards that are in heaven. We don't serve him because we're, one day we're going to walk on the streets of gold. We don't serve him because one day we're going to be worshiping him in heaven. We don't serve him because there's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no discomfort in heaven. That's not why we serve him. We serve him because we want to have a relationship with him. We serve him because we love him. We serve him because we want to get closer to him. We want to know him better. We want to be able to walk closely with him. Amen? That's why we serve. Man, when you become a believer of Jesus Christ, your eternal destination is secured. We know where we're going, but what are we going to do until we we get there? We're not to sit idly by. We are to serve, but we serve to glorify God the Father. God is infinitely generous and gracious, and he will always give us better than we deserve. Amen? I got a text yesterday that said that I'm blessed beyond what I deserve. Amen? We're all blessed beyond what we deserve. Man, God is generous, and he's gracious, and he always gives us better than we deserve. He gave us Jesus Christ. He gave us heaven. We didn't deserve either one, but that's what he gave us. This passage has a lot to do with work. Now, let me tell you something. A passage has an underlying meaning, but it has a lot of different truths. And when you look at it, when you read this passage on the surface, you might see something different and understood something different. But this passage has a lot to do with work. One of the focal points is working in the vineyard. When you think about it, one is on the, the people that went into the vineyard. One is on the work that's in the vineyard. One is on the vineyard itself. But there's also several different things. And important as service is, and it is very important. The focus of this passage is not on any of that. It's on the vineyard owner. That's where the focus is on this passage. You can read a lot into it, but the focus is on the vineyard owner who Jesus uses as an example of how God provides for his people. We don't work for salvation. Salvation is a gift and God gives it to us freely. We work as a result of salvation. Amen. We can't work our way into heaven. We can't be good enough. That's not what we're saying here. Salvation is a result of what God's grace gives to us. Now, 
It's important that we understand that there's two different kinds of workers in this passage of Scripture. There's two different kinds of workers who entered into the vineyard for the day to work, even though they were spaced out, even though there was different sections of workers that went in. There's two different types of workers that are in here. Those who wanted a contract, those who agreed to work for one denarius, which is a day's wage. One day's wage is what they agreed to. One denarius, which is equivalent to about a penny. In today's society, you imagine working all day slaving in the, heat, in, the, in the heat for one penny? Yes or no? Would you do it? No. But that was a day's wage in that day. The other one was those who had no contract and agreed to whatever the owner thought was right. This is what he's talking about. Some people wanted a contract. Some people wanted to know what they were going to get paid, and others agreed to take whatever the owner thought was right. Not what they thought was right, but what he thought was right. Jesus tells a story that could be easily understood. Listen to this story. It's easy. Early in the morning, the vineyard owner hired a group of workers to go and work in the vineyard. They agreed upon a wage for their labor of the day. Later that day, he obtained some more workers without giving them any specific wage, only telling them that he would give them what was right. He did the same several more times throughout the day. When we look at the scripture, even hiring a group of people one hour before quitting time. Five o'clock, he hired a group, and they were going to quit at six o'clock. Even one group. Basically, you see what's happening takes place. The first laborers that he hired insisted on the contract. And they wanted to know what they were going to get paid. And basically, that seems okay, right? You don't accept a job this day and time that you don't understand what the pay is going to be. You agree to that a lot of times, right? And so that's not basically out of the question. And that's not what he's trying to say here. That seems fair. They wanted to know what they were going to get paid. And there's nothing wrong with that on the front side of this story. It's on the back side is where we have the problem. It's on the back side at the end of the story where it explains. This explains why the vineyard owner paid the workers in the way that he did that's why he paid the one that came last first and the first last and that's what we're going to open up a little bit this morning he wanted those who were hired first who insisted on a contract to see how much he paid the workers that he hired last I mean, you think about it if he'd have paid those first one to narrow most likely they would have just went on about their way They would not have known what he was going to pay those others because they would assume it's going to be less than what we make, right? Which is why he paid them last because he wanted them to see what he was going to pay them. He wanted them to see the generosity that he had. Those who were hired in the morning were upset because those hired late in the day received the same amount of pay. They thought that they had been treated unjustly, but the vineyard owner insisted that he had treated every one of them fairly. He had given them exactly what they had agreed upon and what he had promised them. One of the characteristics of our Heavenly Father is that he is fair and he's generous. When you think about it, God the Father is fair to all of us. We don't all get the same things. We don't all have the same blessings. We all have blessings, but we don't all have them at the same level. But he's fair and he's generous. Don't try to make everything in this parable mean something specific. The main spiritual truth is that Christ brings out is that God has the right to deal with his servants the way that he wills. And when you think about it, God is sovereign. God has the right to deal with whoever he pleases the way that he chooses to be right in his will, according to the motives and service. 
This parable is not found and focused on salvation. And when I, when I first read it, the story, I was thinking, you know, it's about, it's about salvation. It has to do with the fact that, that uh, somebody comes to know the Lord uh, early in life and they have, one, they have security of eternal uh, destiny. Somebody comes to know the Lord late in life. They might have the same security. They're all going to heaven. When you look at it on the, on the front side, that might be the way you look at it. But there's different seasons in life that people accept Jesus Christ. Man, there's different times of the life. You might have been born in a Christian home. You might have been raised in the Christian home. You might have been involved in the children's department, the youth department, all the way through adulthood. And you came to know the Lord. You think about it. Someone might have come late in life. They might not have been involved in a Christian home, but yet they come to know the Lord late in life. The bottom line is not when you come to know the Lord, but the fact that what? You come to know the Lord. Amen. That's what's important, that you come to know the Lord. If you connect Matthew 20.10, which is our passive scripture this morning, with Peter's remarks in Matthew 19.27, you'll get the lesson. When the first laborers came to get their money, they were counting on the fact that they would receive more than the others did because they had worked more hours than the other did. Isn't this what Peter is doing in his statement? See, we have left everything and followed you. So what will there be for us? He was thinking about himself more than ever. He was thinking about himself. Surely we're going to get more. Man, surely pastors are going to get more than just regular churchgoers. Amen? Isn't that what you're thinking? Isn't that what, what Peter's saying? Well, I'm telling you, it's not any different. There's, there's more accountability for the pastor, but there's not any more benefits from the pastor than any other person who receives Jesus Christ. Pride is the opposite of humility. And we talk about pride a lot. And we talk about humility a lot. And then there's some dangers in prideful behavior. And we don't want prideful behavior. Humility is what God wants us to have. Christ teaches us that God has the right to do as he pleases with his servants. That's what the Christ is telling us. And he has to and and have the wrong motive or the bad attitude is sinful behavior. And we want to serve him. But we want to serve him with the right attitude. We want to serve him with the right focus. The 6 o'clock workers demanded a contract. They wanted to know what they were going to get. They wanted it in writing so that they would earn what they were, were going to get for laboring in the vineyard. They were only willing to step into the vineyard if they knew exactly what they were going to receive. That's the only way they were going into the vineyard. The only way they were going to work for the day. Jesus has called us to labor for him and there's a lot of work to be done man he's called us to to step into the vineyard he's called us to work at different levels he's taught us to to go about our business and take care of his business it's a sad thing that there's a lot of christians that are just standing around idle all day when there's so much work to be done and we look at this parable this parable reminds us that we should serve christ and we should love him and we should do it loyally and we should do it with a, a genuine heart not just for what we're going to get out of it. It's not sinful to earn rewards and riches, and that's what God's telling us this morning. It's not sinful to earn rewards and riches because he gives us those things. He blesses us with those things, but we want to make sure that they don't become our focal point of what our life is all about. They come as gifts from people. They come as gifts from other people. God gives us gifts. He gives us blessings every day. He blessed a family with a new baby on Thursday. Amen? That's a gift from God. There's no way to explain that other than that is strictly a gift from God. But here's the thing. The rewarder, which is God himself, is what should be filling our heart, not the reward. 
not what we get out of it. The person that's God himself, the, the being that's God himself, the rewarder, the one who provides for everything that we have, for all the blessings that we have, should be the one who fills our heart, not the gift that we have. Church, we must examine our own lives. We must examine our motives. We must examine our own lives for Christian service. The right work done for the wrong reason dishonors God. The right work done for the wrong reason dishonors God. And that's not what we want to do. It robs us of our blessings that God has for us. And it's a sad thing to realize that there's Christians whom we admire today that might be last when it comes to the kingdom of God because their motives and their intentions are wrong. We cannot judge motives. Man, we don't know what people have, what the motive they have. But what we can judge is our own heart. We can look at our own lives. We can look inside at each of our own lives and know why we're doing things and what we're doing them for, and we can judge ourselves. We cannot judge motives, but we can judge our own hearts. So let's do this. I'm going to leave this with you. Let's do all that we do for the glory of God because we love him and because we want to glorify him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Man, God loves us. He loved us first. Man, we are unlovable. And he loved us first. He loved us beyond anything you can imagine. And he loves us so much that he sent his own son to provide heaven for us, to give us a free gift. And we didn't earn that, and we didn't deserve that. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ for us. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 says this. By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Man, when, when sin entered into the Garden of Eden, it's been generation after generation, and we've inherited that sinful nature. We are a sinner, and we can't save ourselves. Nothing that we do is going to gain us heaven other than accepting Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. Romans 3.23 says this, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've got to find a way to get around sin. And sin creates a barrier between us and God. And God had to deal with that. And he did by sending Jesus Christ to this earth to be our Savior, to provide salvation for us and to give us eternal life. Romans 10.13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's, the best, that's one of the best passages in the Scripture. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. doesn't matter where you are in your stage of life. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone can know that. Friends, when our time on this earth is over, and I tell you that every week because that is one of the, the key statements that we talk about. Whatever we do on this earth, it, it's all for the glory of God. But the decisions that we make makes a difference in where we'll spend eternity. And when, we, when our life is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're either going to spend an eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ and God the Father and the Holy Spirit and all those that have gone on before us that have accepted the Lord. Or we're going to spend eternity separated from all of them and including God the Father. And that's not what we want. Let me urge you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I urge you to make that difference today, to make that decision today. Romans 10, 9 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. I mean, it's, it's just a repentance process that takes place, but you've got to invite him into your heart. I mean, you've got to make him the Lord of your life. And if you invite him in and you make a commitment to change, to let him lead and you follow from then on, he is just and he'll come in. He'll change your life and he'll change it radically and he'll change it forever. Amen? Man, this morning we're going to have a hymn of invitation. 
And if you don't know Jesus Christ, I urge you to come down and let's talk about it. I'll be at the front. Our deacons are available for you to, to pray with you, to talk with you. But certainly you don't want to get this day go away without making a decision for Christ. Maybe there's others in, uh, looking for a church home. Maybe you've just been attending and visiting and, and you're just looking for a place to get plugged in. Can't think of a better place to call home than Pine Hill Baptist Church. And we need you right here. And we'll put you to work and let you serve and we'll grow together. And that's one of the most important things. Maybe there's others in need of prayer. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. The altar's always open to you. You can bring it to the altar. We'll pray with you. Our deacons will pray with you. But you, you have something that's on your heart something that's that's that you need just lay at the feet of jesus just bring it on down and put it at the feet of jesus i know you can pray right where you are but bring it to the bring it to the cross lay it at the feet of jesus this morning whatever the issues you just take this time and you allow the holy spirit just to move among us and just listen to him listen to him and respond father god i come before you this evening or this morning god just thanking you for who you are God, just thanking you for your word. Thanking you for the promises that are in your word. Father, I pray that for one person, the sound of my voice, that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that this would be the day that they would come to know you and make you the Lord of their life. Father, for others in our congregation, God, there's, there's prayer needs among us. God, we have those, those unspokens. We have those prayer needs. We have those concerns. God, I just pray that you would touch in those lives and we would feel your presence. Father, I pray for this time of invitation. God, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would just overpower this building. And God, that we would feel your presence like never before. God, I just lift up your name. We praise you, Father, and I thank you for everything that you do. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.